for being so faithful. And um, I know Eileen and I are just in your debt for being a part of our lives over more than 35 years that we've been in the church, 35 years that we've actually been on the mission field, and uh, three or four years before that. So we have a relationship that goes back a long time. Very much appreciate what Matteo shared. Appreciate your heart for what you're doing. And uh, it's good to see God at work around the world. Would you stand with me for a word of prayer before we get into the word? And I'm going to be sharing out of my heart this morning the, something that the, the Lord has just been all over me lately. And uh, I, I call it a prophetic something that has come upon me. And it's not unusual, but... I can't shake it. So what I share today, I will try my best to be the vessel that God can use to share what's on his heart. So let's pray. Father, we lift our sights to you. You are the one who has created all things and you have, you have decided to dwell in us, your people. You have made a way that cannot be broken for us to receive your presence into our hearts. Jesus is the way. And through him we get to know you, Father, that your presence might be in all things and through all things, and most of all, in us. Be glorified in the midst of your people today. Share your heart with our hearts. Point out the way that we should go and give us the grace to walk in it. This we pray in the only name by which we may pray and know that we have your hearing. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May be seated. Please have a seat. I have some scriptures that I want to put up first of all. There are about four of them that I just want to read through quickly before we begin. But uh, you know when that, that something, that presence of the Lord comes on you? And you know that it's not just a word for you personally, but something that God wants to share to the church. Now, God uses everything in our life to kind of plow the field. And I think perhaps the Lord has used our trials over the past year and nine months to, to do that, to make us sensitive to the topic I want to talk about today. And God uses every circumstance, as was shared earlier in the service. There isn't one that's outside of his ability to use it to make something in our life and do something through us. So we're going to begin with some of the verses, prepared for promotion. First of all, we're not talking about promotion in the workplace. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Most of you are probably praying, let there be promotion in the workplace. But there are elements that can be deal breakers in the workplace, that can be deal breakers in our relationship and walk with the Lord, but we're not talking about that. We're not talking about the way you dress, because that can be a deal breaker in the workplace, can it not? If there's a culture of shorts and sandals and you want to wear a tux to work every day, that might be a problem. <laughs> If it's a very eco-friendly environment and you make a state, you make a carbon footprint the size of Texas, <laughs> while they're walking around with carbon footprints that are smaller than their shoe size, that could be a problem. Or attitudes and all the other things that go with it. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about another kind of promotion, God's kind of promotion. Things that God does in our life to prepare us for what is coming on this side of eternity and preparing us for what awaits us on the other side. So let's read some of those verses. And one of them that we want to read is James 1, 2 through 4. 
Now, we're going to read four of them. They're all connected, if you'll think about it. And um, so let's start with James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow, powerful language. Must, that's important. It will do this, it will do that. 2 Peter 1, 10 through 11. You know, what goes on in this world prepares us not only for life now, but for the life hereafter. Thereafter, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My friends, eternal is a long time. We're bound by, by thoughts of time and space, but God is not. And he's making a place for us in a, in a realm where he reigns supreme and issues of time and place are not as important as they are here and now. 2 Corinthians 4.17 Apostle Paul says, for our light and momentary troubles. Now this is a guy who has been shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead, and all kinds of other things. And he's saying, our light and momentary troubles. <laughs> That's good. So where do, where do my troubles fit into that category? They must be very light <laughs> compared to that. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far, far outweighs them all. Oh. That's good. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him. That last one kind of sobers us up a little bit, doesn't it? Here, the God of the universe, and we talk universe, I'll tell you, every day, 400 billion galaxies and counting. That's what they know about. And each one of those galaxies has perhaps hundreds of billions of stars in each of them. And each one of those star systems has planets innumerable. That's awesome, isn't it? It would take us literally hundreds of millions of lifetimes traveling at the speed of light to cross from one side to the other. But God's got it all wrapped up in him, doesn't he? You know, those kinds of rules don't apply. When it, he, he made the rules, but there, there is a spiritual connection with God that can take us from one side of the universe to the other in the blink of an eye. That can take us from here to there without having to go through millions of lifetimes to arrive. I want to talk about, and I sense that it is something that God is saying to the church, that, that church, there is something that is forming on the horizon that is going to change the way we live and do business as usual. There are things on the horizon that are challenging us to take a second and a third and a fourth look at the way we live and how we have been church and what we are going to look like in the days to come. These are sobering words and sobering thoughts, but times have changed within the world and the world in which we live now looks at we who are Christians in a light that is slightly different than the way they looked at us in generation or two past. 
where we were the accepted gold standard majority, now we are being looked at as if somehow, some way, do they fit in to the world and the direction that it's going. But let me just say this right from the beginning, that it has never been the purpose of the church to fit in. It's never been the purpose of the church to move in the current of things as they are. It's always been the business of the church to move the, the rest of the world in the direction that it ought to be going, though it be a different direction than the one that we are going in now. We are to be a prophetic voice. We are to stand in time and declare what is really outside of time, the eternal ways and truths of God and his Christ. A prophetic voice that points the way that we should go and points to whom we should follow. That is the kind of thing that's going on. It's something of cosmic proportions. I see that in this world that is changing, when the church is finding itself in the crosshairs of that change, many things that we take for granted could be called into question. With cultural changes of underfoot, depending on how the church responds. And let me interject that from the very beginning. Where I'm going, I'm not being a pessimist. I'm not being a harbinger of doom. Though there are things that are prophetically declared in God's word that will in its time come to pass. I don't believe that we must throw in the towel and give up and roll over and say, take us, it's done. There is a role for the church to stand and be counted and prophetically proclaim the way that we ought to go and make a difference. Standing in the gap, being healing balm in the wound of the world. Cosmic proportions. And because God is so concerned that we, the church, make the right response, he is calling us as individuals to take our place on the front line of destiny. Amen. Take our place on the front line of history. That we ought to be the ones who make history, and not just make history, but make his story come to pass. And if you feel there's a stirring within your heart, I'm not at all surprised. If you feel there's an awakening within your soul, that doesn't, that doesn't take me at all by surprise. If you feel there's an awakening and a stirring and a, an arousing within your spirit, there is a sense of expectation that cannot be quenched. There's a hunger that cannot be satisfied by what we have or what we do. It is because God is moving his church strategically, positioning them for the game of the century. He is the one who moves the pieces into place, and we thank the Lord can be a part of those pieces that he moves and uses to bring about the change that he longs for with every fiber of his being. There are moments in time and places in history, friends, when God suspends the ordinary to do the extraordinary. He suspends the ordinary to do the extraordinary. 
places, and times. And I believe that this is one of those times. I believe that this isn't just life as usual. I believe it is not the time for us to slumber and sleep. I believe it is like the, the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Could you not wait with me for an hour? Could you not stay awake? I think about the, the talent, the, uh, the parable of the ten virgins. Five slept and were unprepared, and five were prepared. And when the bridegroom came, they went forth prepared. They went forth with the lightheartedness of those who knew, know that they have been in the presence of God and are bearing the presence of God into the future that God has for them. I'm not surprised. The other day I was standing in a post office. Strange place for God to talk to you. <laughs> you know, maybe I was waiting for a letter from God. No, that's not why I was there. I have a letter from God. I was standing in a post office, minding my own business, not trying to look at anybody else and what they were doing. That's hard to do. <laughs> Waiting for my time. I didn't hear anything except an occasional complaint about why they couldn't be moving along a little faster. But I tend to stay out of that fray. <laughs> and I was just minding my own business and I heard I heard, not with the audible, the ears of our physical senses, but I heard a, a, a trumpet. I heard a shofar. And I heard this blast. And it sounded to me like I imagine it might sound. And it went on for maybe about 30 seconds. And it was like a da 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 I'm not even going to, it doesn't do it justice. We need Leanne up here to do that. And, and as I listened to it, I thought, I looked, okay, who else hears this? Then I, then I strained, I kind of leaned forward to hear, is this elevator music? <laughs> you know, my, what am I listening to? And, and there was nothing. So I thought, ah, this is the Lord. And beyond that, it quickened something in my spirit. It quickened something inside. It was like it went right through me. It was like a bolt from heaven. It, it stirred my spirit, my soul, and something awoke inside. And I began to think I could just see all of heaven poised. It was as if all of heaven had stood to attention. And the Father was about to command that the last trump, the trump would sound, the archangel would give that solemn sound on the trump of heaven, and we would be raised into, transformed into new life. Oh my, I thought, I looked around, I don't see any dead rising yet. The dead in Christ will rise first, then we who alive and remain. But I thought about that and I thought, what does this mean? And it thought, occurred to me that it is, it is heaven saying, it is about time. Be on the alert, be awake, be aware, be alive, be available. It was as if the Father was getting ready to say enough is enough. Let's bring this prophetically to a close. Let's wrap things up the way things are. It is time when I can just see the Son of God standing to his feet, putting up his hand and say, Father, not yet. Just a little more time. I hear my people. 
I hear the cry of my church. I hear the cry of my redeemed. I hear the cry of the redeemed. I am listening to them say so. I am listening to them raise their voice to me, raising their voice to heaven and asking, let there be time. Give us one more time. Give us another day. Give us another opportunity. Give us another open door that we might finish that which we have been sent to do. Let us finish the task, Father, not yet. And as if that was enough, and everybody stood down from attention, but yet poised, knowing that there might not be another pause the next time the Father gets ready to blow the trumpet. And it might be that these are the days in which God will finish the work that he has begun to do through his church. These may be the days in which we finish the task that was started when he gave birth to the church and sent them forth in the power of the Holy Spirit and the commission to reach the world and teach them all, making disciples of every nation, teaching them everything that he had taught them. That job is not done. Hundreds of millions of people around the world have yet to come into that relationship with Christ, never having heard, never having had a chance. But God is suspending the normal, suspending the ordinary to do extraordinary things. It's a time when faith will be multiplied and effort will be expanded. When a featherweight of effort will produce a ton of results. When we step forward, he goes further. When you choose to believe, all of heaven will respond. Resources we didn't know we had will appear. Doors that we thought were closed and didn't even know existed will find opening before us. God will move heaven and earth. He will open doors for anyone who's willing to go forward and do what he is commissioning them to do. He will close the doors that ought to be closed, open the doors that, ought, that should be open, and keep them open as long as we keep moving in the right direction. I believe it's a time of destiny. I believe it's a time of destiny when God is preparing his people for something special. I want to read you a quote of George Patton, one of the greatest battlefield generals of World War II. He is a man with very colorful way of saying things. If you've ever done any reading about him, his language is as raw as the war that he, has, he lives through. But this quote is a quote that talks to us about that, 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 that tap of destiny on our shoulder. And this is what he says, a man must know his destiny. If he does not recognize it, then he is lost. By this I mean once, twice, at the very most three times, the fate, fate will reach out and tap a man on the shoulder. If he has the imagination, he will turn around and fate will point out to him the, what fork in the road he should take. If he has the guts, he'll take it. Once, twice, thrice. I think, and I feel it, don't, I think God is there tapping. I believe that he's tapping us on the shoulder. 
I believe he sent forth his angelic messengers to go forth and tap on our shoulders. He is not waiting for something else. He is tapping to awaken us so, so that we can step into our destiny. In the here and now, and what we do with that tap will have consequences. It may make the difference between our children inheriting a future that is sane or inheriting a future that is marked by chaos and decline. How we respond as a church can make all the difference and will make all the difference. We want to be in the place where we can hear what God is saying to us. Sometimes that tapping is just a light touch on the shoulder. At other times, it hits us like a linebacker and knocks us off our feet. But it's tapping that's coming from him, preparing for promotion, both in the here and in the now. And it, it's, it's something that God is taking and working and doing that will change life as we know it. I mentioned about the Father perhaps not following through because it, Jesus, the church, is responding. I think about the words of Scripture, don't you, where it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, he said, I will heal their land. There's a pattern in Scripture that when we cry out, God responds. And I think that in heaven itself, there are books, there are books that are written there, books about your life and mine. Angels record our lives. It'll be a testament to God forever and ever and ever. And it will be a, and there, the, the books that are written, perhaps about the history of the world from God's point of view, Many times, even if we see in Scripture where God was about to act, but then my people prayed. I can see that in the annals of heaven, probably recorded over and over and over again, God the Father was about to do this, but my people prayed. My people prayed. My people prayed. And it's not about reward, but it is. It's not that we do things for reward. We are told there will be reward. There will be recognition. There will be appreciation expressed for how we do what we do. And we need to know that in the end of time, in the end of things, when we get that full entrance that we talked about at 2 Peter, that full entrance, that abundant entrance into heaven itself, there will be not just a trickle of praise, but there'll be a resounding, deafening roar as people give praise and honor to God for the life that you've lived. Thinks, makes me remember a story about older couple. They've been on the mission, went on the field, left England. Spent 40 years on the other side of the world serving, the, serving Christ, taking his word to people who didn't have it. 40 years had gone by. They felt it was time for them to come home. So they decided to pack up from where they were, 
returned to England, and as their ship was pulling into the harbor and docked and the lo loading the planks the where they would disembark had been set up, they heard the most awesome music. They heard a band that was playing, and as they stepped up on the plank, they saw people waving in their direction, pointing at them, and they, oh, this is wonderful. They've remembered us. They've, and then they went back quickly to their room to get something they'd forgotten. By the time they returned to the de deck and to the plank, the band had dispersed. The people were gone, and they realized, and they heard later it wasn't for them that they were playing. So dejectedly, they walked off the ship and began to go to wherever they were headed in London. And the elderly gentleman, despondent, said, oh, I thought it would have been different, much different than this. And his wife took him by the hand and said, dear, this is only England. We're not home yet. And I think about all of us, not to look for that which man can do and give, the recognition that may or may not come, the reward you receive or may not receive. For there is one who looks upon the hearts of men who never forgets a deed done, never fails to record a prayer prayed, an encouraging word that is given, a selfless act that is committed, a gift that is given in secret. An arm around the shoulder of someone going through a hard time. A shoulder for someone in tears to cry on. A sister, a brother, a friend. Someone who knows the pain. We go through life, we experience hardship. That pain helps us bear the pain that someone else might not know how to carry. Those things are remembered. They are recorded. They are never lost from God's sight. He writes, he has a book of remembrance, it says in Malachi. At one point at the end, final verses of Malachi, it says that those who talked about the Lord, the Lord wrote what they said in a book of remembrance. God is a good God. Loving and fair. And he will deal with all of us in the way that will bring the greatest honor and glory to himself. That full entrance into the kingdom of God. Standing before the judgment seat of Christ. It's, it's, a, it's a place where we come before the, before the Lord for our life to be evaluated. That could be a scary thought. It's a sobering thought. And as I was meditating on this some time ago, it was as if I, in my mind I was transported before the presence of the Lord, <clears throat> seeing myself standing before God, standing before the Lord, people on both sides, an open space where I realized now is going to be my chance, my turn to walk and go forward. And I thought, oh, that's an awesome and a terrifying thought. 
I was thinking, yes, Lord, these things that I've done, but what about these things that I've not done and why I did what I did? And all these things began to flood my mind and I thought, oh, and as I moved forward, it's, it's as if the presence of God began to grow and grow and grow in me and around me and through me. And all of a sudden I began to think it is not about me. It is not about it, what I've done. It is about him. It isn't about what I have accomplished. It's what he has done through me. It is what he has accomplished through all of us. It's about his grace, his blood, his mercy. It is about what he accomplished on the cross, what he made possible through the resurrection, what he does for us on the right hand of the Father. It is about pouring his grace out on the, on the scales of justice so that it tips in the favor of mercy. It is about God being for us. Because he is for you. We're never good enough, but he gives us his goodness. We're never righteous enough, but we're clothed with his. We are not washed in our own good works. We are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. We are given the robes of righteousness, not our own. They were bought with a price, given to us out of his great love that we might walk every day in the secure knowledge that we belong to him who has made all things new and will make all things new. We sometimes think our mistakes, our badness disqualify us. We sometimes think our failure to handle the stresses of life have ruined the chance for us for promotion. Truth be told, that is the kind of raw material out of which God fashions the people he desires. It's the kind of raw material that he can take to make that which others cannot break. He has made us, him in us, indestructible. Jesus in whom dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily, said Paul, dwells in us. And if we might follow Paul's example to labor and labor and labor until Christ be formed in us. If he had the fullness of the Godhead in him bodily, and Paul labors that we might find Christ fully formed in us, that means that God in his fullness can dwell in our mortal bodies. If you feel overwhelmed, I'm not surprised. Who can stand in the presence of an awesome God like that? He has called us to a promotion that doesn't come from men, it comes from the God of men. It's a promotion that the world cannot take from you because it didn't give it to you. When it feels like all hell has been let loose against you, just remember all of heaven has hold of you. You are not alone. You are not alone. You do not stand by yourself. The darkness is never darkness to the one who knows the, one, the creator of light. You have been given a gift that has no value on earth, has, that you cannot place a value on. It is immeasurable. It is incalculable. It is undeniably the greatest thing that we have seen and will ever see. Let me just leave you with a few thoughts. As you think about pressing forward 
in the high calling of God on your life. As you think about stepping into your destiny, as you think about moving in obedience and faith to do what it is that God has called you uniquely to do. For your calling is not mine. It is something God has authored and will be the finisher of. These are some things that I like to think about when I think about those things. The love of Christ constrains me. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. There's something about the presence of God in our life that makes it possible to do things out of the ordinary. Remember the story of a man in the lighthouse? His lighthouse was on the rocky shores of a stormy, dangerous stretch of sea. And he was there with his son, and one night the storms were particularly bad, and a, and a ship was passing by, and he noticed this, they are in trouble. They're not seeing the warnings. We have to go tell them. We have to go help them. And he told his son, let's go. And his son looked at him in disbelief and said, we can't go out in a storm like that. We'll die. And the father looked at him as soberly and seriously as a father can look at a son and say, son, we have to go. We don't have to return. The love of God. Going where you would never go unless that was in your life. The affirmation of Christ awaits us. Think about that. When we are before the Lord, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Wow, well done. You know, we're not here to compare ourselves with others. Amen. You stand or fall on your own before the Lord. He is the one who called you, the one who fashioned you, the one who makes you. He's given us different kinds of gifts and different measures of gifts. He expects much greater things from some and lesser things from others. It's about faithfulness and diligence at the end of the day. But I'm looking forward to that. I, I want that to be the case. I want God to be purely honored in what we do and say so that there will be a well done. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a missionary. That's not the case. But you, but you are a follower of Christ. And that is where it starts and ends. The judgment seat of Christ purifies me. I think about the standing before Christ and the bema. That makes me want to, to, to be, I want my life to be a vessel of honor. The words of Christ strengthen me. When you don't know if you can do what it is that he's calling you to accomplish. Remember that he is always with you to do that which is beyond your ability to do. His words will guide you, teach you, give, strengthen your faith. And the rewards of Christ encourage me. I don't know what exa exactly what those are going to be like, but it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's not about positioning ourselves one over the other. It's about positioning ourselves around the one who makes it possible. The afflictions of Christ prepare me, as Paul said, for our light and momentary troubles, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And the return of Christ inspires me. 
He is coming back. Of all the hundreds of prophecies that were written in Scripture about his first coming, thinking about all the more prophecies that are written about by his second, and not one has failed. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that he went into heaven, will return as he ascended, and he's coming back for a church without spot and without wrinkle. The Lord is poised and ready. He is seated on his white stallion. He has the sword of truth in his hands. And as the world dives ever deeper down the rabbit hole of untruth, God is drawing his people to the one who is truth. And he has his sword raised on high. And with that, he will lead us to victory and victory and victory. More than conquerors in Christ. Would you stand with me? Before I turn it over to Pastor Fred, as we pray, I just, I think the Lord wants you to settle some things with Him. You know, it's, it's not a time for fence-sitting. I believe with what is coming and on the horizon, the days of church as usual are not, they're gone. We can no longer sit on our fences. We can no longer treat our faith as a hobby to pick up and put down at our leisure. It's time the Lord is asking for a, our commitment. Our commitment to Him as Lord and Savior. And our willingness to take our place on the front lines of His story as He makes history. May His kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you pray with me? And as we pray, make this solemn commitment to the Lord. I am yours. I make you mine. Tell me what it is I'm to do. And I thank you for the time. He gives us his love. He shows us the way. He points ahead to the future and to that great day. He is here. And he'll be there. And every place in between. Let's pray. Father, there is no one like you who has done what you have done who has made the impossible possible. You have given your Son to come to earth that all your fullness might dwell in him. And through his life, death, and resurrection, made a new and living way that we through him might come to you and be born anew. To receive life that is found only in heaven. To have your presence Grace our earthly lives. Come, O Lord, dwell in us. Make us your people. Make us your instruments. And let our lives shine like the brightness of the noonday sun. Show us the way, and we'll walk in it. Help us to do that which you want 
us to do. And by your grace, Lord, help me accomplish it. It is your plan that we desire. And the destiny you've created, our destination too. We thank you for hearing us, forgiving us, filling us, guiding us, and going with us until the day when we go to be with you or you come to be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Fred. Praise the Lord.